Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me as always is the regional sports editor for the Columbia Daily Tribune, Kevin Grayler. How are you, sir? Doing all right. Glad to be on. Yeah, I know it's been a little while since we've done one of these. Had a tiny bit of problems with our server, but we are back. We are now going to hopefully come to you two times a week, starting again next Tuesday. Have everything kind of you know back in place for where it should be, right? Going into SEC play, now is as good a time as any just to, to get this rolling. Uh, we've actually relocated our <laughs> podcast studio uh, as uh, as the newsroom for the Tribune has uh, has been put in temporary quarters. We're actually in the in the basement of our building and uh, awaiting a move to another nearby location here, and uh, probably by the new year. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard as well. Hopefully, you don't hear any difference in terms of audio. We're still using the same equipment, same mic, same soundboard, same everything. Uh, hopefully, you guys are sticking with us. I know it's been a little while, so thank you for anybody who still uh, listened to us. I know that uh, it wasn't what anybody imagined, but uh, you know we're trying to make the best of the situation all around. Speaking of making the best of the situation all around, did you like that? There we go. Uh, no, Mizzou is uh, okay. Just brief rundown from last time we've been here. Lost to Wyoming. Went over West Virginia, went over SEMO. Now we're entering SEC play. Tomorrow is uh, South Carolina. Mizzou opened as a nine and a half point favorite. I believe it's actually gone up to ten uh, since the Vegas lines opened. Uh, we have our preview section as always, our Tiger extra section, four pages. Uh, our, my my cover story is on Trajan Jeffcoat. The last year, I think, or before Kelly Bryant uh, committed to Mizzou, is going to be the only. Uh, South Carolinian on the Mizzou roster, but now there's two of them, Kelly Bryant and now Trajan Jeffcoat. Um, and it's kind of about, you know, growing up in Columbia, South Carolina, and now he's in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, and, you know, obviously he's had an, an elbow injury that happened before uh, the podcast break, but uh, he's still out, has not played yet this season. Possibly playing tomorrow. We got an update that he's closer than ever before from Barry on Tuesday. Uh, it's Friday. We haven't heard anything more. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, the cover story. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know what else to add there. Yeah. Yeah. Also in that game day wrap, which will be in the Saturday edition, we've got key matchups, five questions facing the Tigers. Uh, we have Tribune staff picks. Uh, all kinds of stuff coming your way, just getting ready for this matchup. Uh, really, I think win or lose – uh, this game has the potential to be a turning point in the season. Um, oh, yeah, you know, you you look at it even even coming into the year. This is one of those where you're like, you know, I I can see Mizzou winning, I can see Mizzou losing, but it really is going to impact the trajectory of of what they can accomplish the rest of the season. Yeah, I called it a long time ago, and it still reigns true. The most important game for Mizzou for where it takes place in the season by far. Uh, a loss sends Mizzou to two and two, um, and you know they don't have another chance to win an SEC East game until Nashville uh, on October twentieth. Uh, a loss for South Carolina, they go one and three with Texas A&M, Clemson, Georgia, and Florida still on their schedule, and there's a couple other not gimmies like Kentucky next week and then Appalachian State. So 
basically South Carolina kind of sees it as if they lose to Missouri, they're not going to a bowl this year. Uh, so that, you know, there you go. I don't know what else motivation Missouri needs to kind of shout a rival that that uh, they haven't beaten since 2015. Yeah, I mean this is this is a South Carolina program that. Odom has never beat during his tenure as head coach here. Um, there, there have been some uh, some games that uh, that Missouri fans would probably just as well forget. Uh, last year included, um, game that went down to the end and, and didn't go the Tigers' way. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, coming in, it looks like the Tigers are pretty much healthy. Yasir Durant's going to be coming back after suffering a little bit of a neck injury last week. Uh, you know, in this time of the year, I didn't think that was going to happen for Missouri. And overall, I mean, Kelly Bryant, you know, uh, and I made the point, I think, in, in this section somewhere, I don't remember exactly where that comes out tomorrow, is the only team that Kelly Bryant, on, on Missouri's schedule, the only team that Kelly Bryant had played multiple times before was South Carolina. Yes, in 16, he kind of just did a mop-up job after Deshaun Watson blew them out, but multiple games of experience against them in 16 and 17. The only SEC team and he's only, played multiple times against. Right, because he had also played uh, Alabama, obviously, in the 17 semifinals, played Auburn once before, played Texas A&M last year, but none of those teams are on Missouri's schedule currently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, we'll see if there's some familiarity there as Kelly Bryant plays the flagship school from his home state. Yeah, it's a little bit of an interesting matchup. I think that... Um, and, and you'll hear Ben Briner from the state newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina, who will be at the end of this podcast we interviewed, and is the On the Beats also in the section. And I think he makes a really good point of it kind of matters, uh, or it matters more what how Missouri uses him than South Carolina's familiarity with him, because if Missouri uses him really differently than how uh, Clemson did. So if Kelly Bryant has success, I think it's going to be completely on him. It's not going to be whether he recognizes anything from the South Carolina defense. And, and you know what else a win would do this weekend what? for Mizzou? We're just, we're just three weeks removed from that Wyoming loss. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and I think the, the sting from opening the season in that way has, has stuck with the team. Um, even, even after the past couple wins, I think it's still, it's still something that, uh, you know, whether they use it as motivation, whether they just try to completely forget about it, you know, it's there. And uh, and you beat South Carolina this weekend. That would move them to th- three and one um, going into uh, the rest of SEC play still to come. Um, not to say it, it eliminates the, the negative effect that that loss had. Um but but it really does help put it in that rearview mirror that hey this this team has has moved on it and maybe has become better as a result from that opening setback. Yeah, it's the worst blessing in disguise ever. But it very it's, it's very reminiscent of if Missouri wins, it's very reminiscent of what I thought of last year's team carrying over again. Missouri was two plays away from being ten and two, probably going to a New Year's Six bowl if not one right off of there, um, and and being in a prime time nationwide matchup for a bowl which Missouri hasn't done since probably the Cotton Bowl in 2014. Uh, I know they played Minnesota in the Citrus in 2015, but I don't know if that's necessarily considered a nationwide matchup. It probably is, actually. I'm probably contradicting myself. But um, Missouri was on the cusp of right there last year. One play against Kentucky and South Carolina goes differently. One play against Wyoming goes differently. You're 4-0 right now. You're probably ranked in the top 20 of the country, if not maybe the top 17. And Missouri, I I don't expect them to be ranked even if they blow out South Carolina. No, I don't think so. So, yeah, just it's going to be uh, old habits are hard to break. So, if Missouri does end up winning, it'd be a huge win for them. I think it 
gets rid of, I'd say, 90 to 95% of the memory of Wyoming. But until Missouri, I think, gets to gets a gets a road win it's not going to be removed and they don't have that opportunity until nashville and then lexington the week after uh two wins there and i think it's gone that would that would put missouri at seven and one most likely uh heading to athens on november 9th which is still a long way away and missouri could easily blow it at some point in between now and then there's still five games to go between that matchup uh but but there's still a lot to like about that best case scenario which is within their grasp because missouri will be favored probably by at least nine points in each of those games if they're favored by nine points against south carolina i can't see kentucky being favored by or being that less of an underdog or Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Troy, I can't see it at all. So. I think there's been there's been some level of surprise just with, with how much difference there was in the spread for Mizzou, South Carolina. What, what, what's your take? I thought it should have been six. Yeah, six, five and a half around there. Uh, these two teams have played it close in the past, you know, kind of how it, how it works. I, I kind of expected to be within a touchdown either way, no matter who wins this game. So when I saw nine and a half, I'm like, what do they see in Vegas that we don't see? Yet, the Vegas does a pretty, pretty good job most of the time. And uh, you know, doing the staff picks against the spread, I've noticed that more and more of just how close within five points the Vegas spread is. So if it's within five points either way, Mizzou wins. But uh, yeah, I was I, I think I would have put it at five and a half myself. Mizzou is a favorite. You got to keep in mind, even though South Carolina is one and two, one of those losses is to Alabama. Uh, and even though Missouri is two and one, their one loss is to Wyoming. So it's it is kind of out of the way there. But uh, yeah, uh, kind of wrapping up thoughts here before we get into the interview with uh, Ben Briner. Anything else to add? Kevin, Honestly, there's we, yeah. probably probably nothing else we can say that would be of more value than than what Ben can bring to the table. But before we get to that, we would like to thank our local sponsors for the Mizzou Sports Podcast. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. And Blue Events. Let them create the perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. When you work with Blue Events, you will be given a catering representative so that you only have one person to contact throughout the planning and execution of your event. On the day itself, they will take care of everything, even the unexpected and unplanned. Regardless of your guest list size and venue, the team at Blue Events will create a standout, memorable event for you. Joining the Mizzou Sports Podcast this time is the Go Gamecock editor of the state newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina, Ben Briner. How are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, you, I think we just said off recording that uh, it was your fifth year on the beat. How are you enjoying Columbia, South Carolina, and how, how are things right now? Uh, it's a good, uh, it's a good small little city. Enjoying the beat, enjoying the, the teams I cover. Uh, the weather decided to drop uh, below boilingly hot for the first time in a while, so I think I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> All right. Well, we're still waiting on that here in Columbia, Missouri, but the forecast for uh, Saturday actually has. 40% chance of rain, so I don't know about that. But, well, for, I guess first off, right off the top, just tell me more about this year's Gamecocks football team. It, at this juncture, is still very much a team in flux because going through the offseason, we kind of thought we weren't going to know a whole ton about this team until this week and next week. However, then they turned around, got upset by North Carolina, 
still don't know how good North Carolina is, but it certainly does change the dynamics of what this Gamecocks team could be. Right now, we kind of thought they'd be sort of talented and deep. They've not really played up to it at that juncture. I think they're probably a little more talented than they've played, but with the schedule they have, which is a nightmare, um, they are looking at some pretty long bowl odds, especially if they were to lose this game this weekend. So I think South Carolina's got pieces. I think getting them to be cohesive, especially on the back seven defensively, has been a little bit of an issue. So let's go into that. Uh, Missouri kind of seems like they're a little bit of a deep team at wide receiver and tight end. Uh, Has the back seven just gone through injuries, or what's made it kind of not that cohesive? Well, South Carolina came in thinking they would have at least three very steady, strong defensive backs, and we're kind of hoping to cobble between some interesting freshmen and some veterans to sort of cobble together uh, a pretty workable secondary. To this juncture, that hasn't happened. One of the safeties they were counting on, Jamias Williams, has been very up and down. Another JT eBay has been hurt and then somewhat up and down. Um, it also didn't help that they were playing Alabama, whose receivers are all extremely talented. So every mistake they made last week uh, got turned into 50 yards. Um, but it seems like there's just been there's just been sort of technique issues and stuff they could ill afford to do, and they're not really playing as talented as they might potentially be. Um, and the linebacker group is a little bit in the same boat. They've got a new starter in the middle, uh, but a veteran on the weak side, and there have been some issues with run fits, so they were actually pretty good against Alabama. Um, but I think that coming into the year, there was a thought that the secondary in spots had potential to be special, and those guys haven't really shown it yet. How does the team look different with Jake Bentley at quarterback compared to Ryan Holinsky? I know last year for the Missouri game, it was Bentley for a lot of the year, and then he got hurt, and uh, mm-hmm. Mike Skarnecchia was started that game. So how does the team kind of look different now that Missouri's going to face, again, the not starter on day one for the, for the game? Um, I think they look different. I think that Bentley was probably a little more of a deep throwing with a little bit more of what he kind of tried to do. He's also a guy who moves around a little bit more and maybe a little bit better. Um, I think Halinski's probably got a quicker release, and I think Halinski, um, as a young player and a guy who came up in a very RPO-heavy systems, Halinski is very, very willing to take the short routes to kind of – put the ball in space, try to hit a tight end for two yards and see if he can get three or four more. Um, so I think their passing game has maybe shortened a little bit. Not that Hillensky can't throw deep balls, but I think uh, probably more of their game has has been wrapped up in that. And then some of it's also just been kind of hard to tell because we only saw one game of uh, senior year Jake Bentley, and in that game he just had a really awful game. The offensive line wasn't good in front of him. So he was getting kind of moved around the pocket and not thrown with his feet set a lot of the time. So, and, and since they've sort of maybe stabilized a little bit of the internal uh, offensive line. So I think that you're a little more me ball control passing isn't exactly the word, but maybe a little bit more of the short game, the efficient matriculate the ball kind of passing game is kind of what I think you'll see. Uh, I was reading kind of just for prepping for this week, and I guess we came across an AP article that's kind of saying that the headline was something like Missouri, South Carolina presents desperate and dangerous problem for Missouri or something like that. 
Do you think those two words, in desperate and dangerous, describe how this Gamecocks team is feeling heading into the game against Missouri? Well, we had about four players use the word desperate. So I'm definitely go with that one. And the dangerous one, uh, I believe, came from uh, receiver slash backup quarterback to Kerry and Joyner because someone asked, what does a desperate team look like? And his direct answer was dangerous. Um, I think they're desperate because I think that if they lose this game, they're really probably not going bowling. Like, it would take a real big old turnaround to get them in the postseason. Um so I think, yeah, there is some early desperation because they sort of – they didn't have a lot of margin for error, and they burned through all of it with that North Carolina loss. I mean, you know, they got two losses right now, and the rest of their schedule still features Georgia, Clemson, Florida, Texas A&M. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that is quite – and then I think – don't you guys also play – haven't played Kentucky yet, right? Yes, Kentucky will come here uh, next week. And then, you know what, their their other non-conference game is App State, which is not exactly a layoff. And then I think the one game that you haven't mentioned yet would be Vanderbilt? Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt and Tennessee. And are those both at home? Uh, it's at Tennessee, Vanderbilt's going to be in, in Columbia. So, okay. or this Columbia. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and and it's so weird because the schedule looked brutal coming into the season, and then, you know, Tennessee obviously looks worse, and after one week maybe Missouri looked worse, but then they've come back really strong, and now Missouri does not look that the Missouri looks maybe like what we expected. So I, I kind of go into this game with a sense of there will be a lot of expecting the unexpected. Sounds good. And kind of the biggest takeaway we got from Barry Odom's availability on Tuesday is one of his answers on wide receiver Brian Edwards where Barry Odom basically said, you know, it feels like he's been there forever where I played against him. You know, what does a guy like Brian Edwards bring to the team? And, you know, it seems like guys like Jerry Judy, maybe even Kajala Lipscomb get more pub than him or whatever. But do you think that he's in the upper echelon of receivers in the SEC? I think he's a high-end receiver. Occasionally has a few drop issues, but he's he's generally a very good Jump ball receiver, he's a pretty decent deep threat. Not necessarily the kind of receiver that's going to run away from people, but he'll certainly go up and get the ball. Um, and he's been doing that since, gosh, I think he might have had 100 yards in his first college game. Um, he Sometimes they'll have a few games where he'll be up and down. I know he was, he had about seven, and he had seven yards against um, North Carolina in the opener. Uh, but it's since kind of stabilized that. I think he's a he's a pretty good playmaker. He's a veteran, um, and it seems like he's gotten a little extra juice, a little extra revitalized uh, after Jake Bentley went down and he and Helensky came in. What do you remember from the previous two times, I guess, in the Kelly Bryan era at Clemson that uh, he got to play South Carolina? And just doing some research earlier today, you know, he's played – uh, at Clemson played four SEC teams, but the only one on Missouri's schedule and the only one that he played multiple times was South Carolina. What do you remember mm-hmm. from those games? And do you think maybe the familiarity for Kelly Bryant could help him against a team like South Carolina? Or would there be some new wrinkles where you think Kelly Bryant might have some trouble? Well, I think looking back, um, his first two games against South Carolina, the only stuff he, the only play he really had was kind of mopping up at the tail end of uh, blowouts, if memory serves correctly. That's he, correct, didn't, actually, he, yeah. he didn't play in the 15 game; played in the 16. That was just a, a massive blowout, and then started in the 17 game and was solid. 
I think he was he was just kind of that was a weird game where Clemson was clearly more talented and just kind of but 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 not really explosive enough to kind of put a real hurting on South Carolina. So it just was this very blah, I think thirty four to uh ten game. Um I think it'll be different in in part because um really just I think that it seems like Missouri's using him differently than Clemson ever did. Clemson kind of they had so much talent around him and he was sort of a conductor. He threw slants, he threw your hitches, he he sometimes went deep but what but wasn't really relied upon to do that and didn't need to do that in the structure of that offense. It seems like Missouri's letting him do a little bit more, um, and maybe having him as a little bit less of sort of a, a core anchor of the run game than Clemson did. So I think the the biggest difference is gonna be what Kelly Bryant looks like rather than learning from, you know, his experience against South Carolina because, frankly, with the backfield he had and the defense he had backing him and and all those running backs and receivers, um, he just, you know, it was such a different world and a different kind of offense for him. Are there any other players, kind of South Carolina fans or the media are weary of that might have a good game against the Gamecocks? Anybody that they're kind of pegging, okay, if if we're going to go to one and three – Here's the players that are going to do it to us, as opposed um, aside from Kelly Bryant. Well, I don't know if they're thinking of it in exactly those terms, um, but if they were to try to think of it, to, to think about it that way, it would probably be one of those running backs because those those guys feasted in the game last season. Uh, South Carolina had a bunch of bad run fits and bad safety play, and I mean I remember those dudes just running wild and coming away still not totally sure how South Carolina won that game but I think it would probably come from that and on a personal level I'm just fascinated by this Missouri defense because you have that bad start and those numbers that they have right now are just unnecessarily silly and I don't really know how much of that is who you play who Missouri played and how much of that is Barry Odom is a defensive coach, and he had a really good re- defensive reputation when he was hired. And the the last two defenses have been fine, but it would be it, I think it'd be it'll be really interesting if Barry Odom can maybe deliver on that kind of promise and identity that hasn't yet been there. Yeah, Missouri lost to Wyoming, then played West Virginia, who then came last week and knocked the crap out of NC State, uh, mm-hmm. but then played an FCS team and knocked the crap out of them themselves, so at two and one. Uh, I guess I'll ask you, now that you brought it up, memories from that game last year, it seems like it's a very obvious talking point when people in the Barry Odom's detractors want to bring up the negative resume. That game in Columbia, South Carolina, seems near the top of the list. What do you remember from that game? Well, uh, one of my big takeaway points was um, I I like some of the advanced deck stuff, and I want to say that um, I think it was Bill Connolly, now of ESPN, his numbers basically had that game as if you had if you took all those stats on average, uh, Missouri would have won I think ninety four or ninety six percent of the time, um, which should tell you something about how odd it was. I mean, you just had big plays all over. You had that pick six that seemed to the, I think Drew Locke was trying to ground the ball on a screen and got pick six. There yeah. were two or three punting. Miscues, I think there was the weather delay in the middle of it. I mean, there was South Carolina's safeties, which kept just missing really crucial tackles. There was a bizarre goal line stand where J.C. Horn and Jemias Williams were on defensive backs played kind of out of their minds. 
I mean, and then you had uh, a backup quarterback, uh, you know, just making exactly enough plays to put them in position to kind of pull it out. It was maybe not the craziest game that I've covered at South Carolina because this must-champ era has featured a lot of extremely weird ones. But, I mean, it just it was such a blur. I think I remember turning to one of my coworkers and saying, we should write a post about everything weird that has happened in this game, only to go on Google and then find that uh, I think SB Nation had, uh, had actually already written it up when we were in uh, the press conference. So it was the kind of game where someone can write a post, everything bonkers that happened in this game. Were you ever on the field, or do you have to stay dry? Um, I might. I think I might have been on the field right at the end, but uh, I was certainly not in the field catching all that rain. Okay, yeah, because I'm good friends with one of the uh, TV guys here, and uh, oh, he, I, I remember he. I remember he told me that uh, it was he was sweating. It was so hot at the beginning of the game. Then at halftime, it started to rain, and he got drenched. Then he was completely dry by about two hours by the end of the game. <laughs> Welcome to Columbia, South Carolina. If you would just, like to sum up our weather, you, you got it right there. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to play a forecaster there for a minute. Uh, I guess we'll wrap up the uh, kind of Q&A here with, uh, did, did you think the nine-and-a-half-point spread was too harsh or not harsh enough? And I guess then, would South Carolina cover, and what is your final score prediction for the game? Well, I was on a podcast earlier this week, and I picked 38, 31-28 South Carolina. Um, it's interesting because I, again, I said I'm sort of a computer rankings kind of person, and I understand why Missouri, I understand why the spread is where it is somewhat. Um, it feels high, but that might just be because I have covered too many South Carolina-Missouri games and assume they will all come down to some sort of, deeply confusing and bonkers sort of ending, um, or we'll have a deeply confusing and bonkers sort of moment in them, like the game two years ago, which was 10 nothing and then flipped in about 12 seconds. So I picked it kind of close. Um, I could kind of – I could see Missouri winning comfortably. Um, I'd be sort of surprised if South Carolina won really comfortably. Um, and I, I, I don't know that it's necessarily un- – unfair spread just because um, the computer rankings right now really like Missouri, and it's going to spit that out. All right, sounds good. Once again, that was Ben Briner from the State Newspaper in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, read all of his work. Uh, how can people check you out, plug all your stuff, and, uh, yeah, well, all right, Saturday. I'll, uh, I'll run down all the stuff. Uh, you can find my stuff at uh, – you can find me at Briner the State, B-R-E-I-N-E-R, the State. Uh, you can find all my work and the work of my many talented coworkers at thestate.com. Uh, there's a Go Gamecocks tab at the top. You just click that, and you will find a lot of it. Uh, we have our own podcast, the Go Gamecocks podcast. I believe you can get it everywhere one can get podcasts. Um, sort of a new venture. It's sort of a micropod. They don't go very long, but... Uh, we hope people listen, and I think that's most of what I've got to plug. Um, if for some reason you live in Missouri and you would like to buy our sports pass, please do, but, you know, that's okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks, Ben, for joining us, and, uh, yeah, thank, thank you again. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks.